evening. Good evening. Is anyone out there? This is such a beautiful sight. I, from what we can see up here, this is just amazing. What a beautiful group of women. This is such a privilege to be here with you tonight, all gathered together from different congregations. And can we just celebrate what God is doing here? Like, this is amazing. God is doing such a new thing in 2017, and we're so excited to partner together to see that happen. And even more beautiful than just gathering is worshiping together, acknowledging our creator, acknowledging his goodness in our lives and the good things that he has for this year. So if you'd like to stand with us, we're going to start with some worship. praises together tonight. Are you ready? And 
Angels and saints, we see. 
Fix your eyes now. Fix your heart now. Fix your hope. Your hope in me alone. Fix your eyes now. Fix your heart now. Fix your hope in the anchor of your soul. Lord, we want to start this night by saying, I am my beloved's and he is mine. That we give you the highest place, the place that you deserve here, the only place that has the greatest value. We do fix our eyes on you. We acknowledge that you are altogether lovely. We set our hope in you tonight, knowing that you have gathered us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love who you are and everything that we do. We love the hosts of heaven. We love heaven right here on earth in our midst. And we welcome you. We say, have your way at the onset of this series, Lord. We give you permission to touch us, to change us, to move us, to heal us, to shift us. We're asking you that you would give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and hearts to obey you. And we're asking above all else that you would bring transformation to us and revelation to our souls, to our minds, our hearts. And that, Lord, your touch would cause us to never, ever, ever be the same again. That, Lord, as we come through this year, we would all, every single one of us, be able to say, this was the turning point in my life. And we give you full authority to move and to act. We thank you, God, for gathering us to you. We honor you. Amen. Well, welcome here. Welcome to the paw. I don't know, are they hearing us okay? There's about 21 people represented by this laptop. So, um, 
We have actually completely lost track of how many people have registered. We, um, there were some people that registered that we didn't even know they'd registered. And, and here they are. And um, didn't get an email, and somehow there was a glitch in the system. But we're well over, I think, the 200 and I don't know what mark. I can only say that um, this has gone from being a gathering to being a phenomenon. And I, I can honestly say that what I really believe is that this isn't just a, a meeting of women. It is actually a move of God. And I think that if we, at the very outset, trust that that's exactly what this is, then we will have the heart space to say, move in me, Lord. And I know that he's not going to leave one heart of stone as a stone, and he's going to move us and significantly touch our lives. And so I want to say an enormous welcome to the PAW, all those 21 women. Welcome here. Can you hear the clapping? Can they hear? Um, I want to welcome Calvary Chapel from Steinbach. I want to welcome Landmark Landmark Christian Fellowship from Landmark. Um, Gateway South and Gateway Panet are here. And I do believe that there's people from Church of the Rock. I see an NKMB. Um, I think there was an Iglesia Ni Cristo I read. Um, Eastview I read. Is there anybody that is from another ch- church that I haven't mentioned? Meeting place, yes. Anyone else? Winnipeg Free. Awesome. Welcome here. I wonder if I could just really quickly ask the administration team. We have um, at Gateway, we have a group called the Ironwood um, Group Interns, and they are the sort of administrative machinery. So if I could just quickly get you people to come up, and I just want to put some names to faces, and if you have any questions at all, and you may have some questions, um, I, would, I would suggest that you talk to some of these people. So this is Krista Gerbrandt, and um, she's looking after all things Skype and audiovisual and sound, etc. This is Nicole Vielfor. You probably got an email from her. And she is looking after our registrations, and we had some gong show moments today, um, which we'll tell you about regarding the book. Not her fault, mine. This is Sylvia Foster, awesome woman of God, and a Newfoundlander. So I'm just telling you that because if you think she's from Ireland or something, no, she's Canadian. And an awesome lady. And Rachel Chabert here as well. Um, She's a wonderful part of our administration team. So if you have any questions at all, and I'm sure you will, there's some, I think there's some group calisthenics going on already. It's okay. It's all right. Um, Please talk to one of these women and they'll be able to help you with that. Thank you. So... I want to talk to you a little bit, just a little bit about the background about blueprints. Um, and 
let you know that this was, I mean, it, for sure at Gateway Pan, it, it, we had set down our, our women's ministry some time ago because we just felt like we needed to recalibrate and, and the Lord wanted to do something new and in a different way. And so we just thought we'd wait until that time came. And this summer, um, quite uncharacteristic of me because I've never actually led women's ministry before. I've done a lot of other things, but the Lord began to start to speak to me about this. And I was really surprised by that. Um, because I didn't sort of expect it. But um, I, I really felt like I needed to obey because I felt the heart of God pushing me in this direction. And um, I was at a meeting, I was at a prayer meeting about, I don't know, maybe six months ago. It was definitely in the summer. And it was a small group, but there was a guy who is a, sort of a known prophetic gifting. And he came to this meeting and he was staring at me while this whole prayer meeting was going on. And I was sort of thinking, oh, great, I know what's coming. Because I've, I've been in meetings where he stared before. <laughs> and um, anyway, at the end of this, nobody knew what was in my heart. Nobody. Um, he said, are you about to kickstart something to do with women? Now, nobody knew that. And um, I said, yes. He said, I, I just need to tell you that God has shown me this. And this is really, 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 really important to him. And he has something very powerful that he wants to do at this time. So I took that as a, as a wonderful confirmation that God wanted to do something. So please take that as an indication of what God is going to do here in our midst. I'm really excited about it. While we were praying, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is bigger than you think. I sort of envisioned 30 or 40 women. That was confirmed in our group. We never dreamed, you know, in my wildest dreams, I said to Ron, my husband, by the way, my name's Mary. (laughs) So sorry about that. For the paw, my name is Mary. Um, so I said to Ron, do you think it's possible that we could get a hundred? And he said, well, you know, I think you should probably start by ordering 75 books. <laughs> and so anyway, the books, um, we don't have books for you. We cleaned out Amazon. We've, we've been ordering and ordering and I didn't pick up the 50 today. Long story. Um, but I think it worked out well because we're going to just give you all the books at the same time. Here's the drill. You can order it online yourself. If you'd like, you can order on Amazon. You can order, um, used copies. You can order e-copies. Um, they're cheap. $6.99 $6.99 to $12.99. I've seen all sorts of things. And I was just talking to the author on email today, and she's looking into Zondervan Publishers bringing us a whole boatload. Um, so I don't think books are going to be a problem. But if you want a hard copy and you want us to get it for you, please sign up on those sheets in the back and let us know what your church you're from. Um, if you want to order on your own, that's fine. Go for it. We just need to know how many copies we need all together. So that would be a really big help for us. Anyway, um, the Lord said to us, this is bigger than you think, and this is a for such a time as this moment. Um, when we prayed about what to call it, our first thought was to name it, this ain't no tea party. <laughs> and it ain't no tea party. We will have tea, and we will probably party. But this ain't no tea party. Tea parties are great, but we really feel like God is wanting to get down to a level that's very deep and wants to shift us in our thinking, in our mindset, in our understanding, and move us from one place to a totally different place. 
And that you don't necessarily always get chatting over a cup of tea. So we're really eager and excited to to know what God's going to do. I think there's going to be some foundational groundwork that goes on that is actually going to have generational impact. I'm excited about that because I have four daughters. And they're all here. And I want this to have generational impact. And our oldest daughter is now pregnant and it would be cool if it was a girl, also a boy, but we seem to be on a roll. So generational impact. Think about your children. I'm so grateful that some of you have brought your daughters with you. This is so exciting to me. And I want the Lord to be able to do things that we're going to say, this is impacting my children and my children's children. This is over the course of a year because this is no quick fix. This is not a one evening, wow, that was a great message, and didn't we fellowship and have a great insight and then go home and not be changed? We needed nine times. And it's interesting because my friend Helen was saying she thought it was no accident. I didn't think about this, but nine months. We all know what that means. <laughs> it is kind of interesting that um, in, nine, you know, in nine series uh, that we're going to be doing, there's going to be a birth So just expect it. Um, There's going to be a soaking, a meditating, and a shifting to where God wants us. This series is not about information. It is about formation. God is going to be changing our mindsets, our understanding, renewing us about what it means to be women, about what it means to be Jesus followers, about what it means to be new creations. And he will be ministering to us, and he's going to bring a lot of healing. I know that because every time he comes, he does that. But I believe that he also wants to be giving us tools. He wants us to learn how to hear him. If any of you don't know how to hear God and you've never heard God before, get ready. You are going to hear his voice. You are going to hear him. That's a really exciting prospect. If you have never seen him, get ready. I believe that you are going to see him. I believe that we are going to enter into a whole new way of engaging with him that is powerful and life-altering and generation-changing. So it's information. It's not information. It's formation. It's not just a meeting, but it's a mechanism for change to take the truths that we learn and apply them to our lives, all the while sharing in community. And we're going to make applications, and we're going to have activations, and they will all be very critical to our being nurtured forward. These are not just Bible stories of women in the Bible, but it's going to be a work of the Spirit in us as we read these stories. Um, I've got my book over there, but... uh, for you all know by now that we're going to be reading Lost Women of the Bible by Carolyn Custis James. And I'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a few minutes. We're going to be inspired with what he wants to do in and through us through the example of women in the word and what God did with them. This is not just fellowship. It's about future. This is not just educating, but it's going to be encountering. I'm going to say that one more time. This isn't just about educating. This is about encountering God. And he will make himself so much more real to us. We're going to meet with him 
individually and corporately. It's not about opinions, but about obedience to what he tells us. And it's not about ideas. It's about intimacy with him. I believe that God is going to open up um, hearts that have long been closed, hearts that don't even know how to engage with him. I believe that everyone in this room is going to come to a whole new level of intimacy with the Lord. And that's his heart. That's his desire. We're going to grow and deepen. We're going to identify where we need to grow. We're going to foster community. And I want this to be a safe place. I want this to be the safest of places for you. To engage with him, to feel comfortable in each other's presence and in his presence. I want us to become our biggest cheerleaders. This is an extraordinary community that he has gathered. Take a minute and just look at each other. Some of these faces that you're looking at, you're going to have some sweet fellowship with. And God's going to do good things. I want to tell you also what this is not. This is not about axe grinding. This is not about looking over to the past and wondering, you know, why, why has it been like this in the church? And why has it been this? And why have men this? Or That's not what this is going to be. This is not about looking back. Although the Lord is going to bring healing to some where healing is needed. But this is about looking forward to God. Who have you made us and where are you taking us? So that there would be a culture of honor. A culture of honor in our midst. About the church. About even the church historically. With all the warts and flaws and ideologies, God is wanting us to move forward in a culture of honor. The sessions that when we gather, we'll start with, just so you know, um, we'll start with some worship. Um, and then we'll always have some sharing and discussion where we'll pull together some of the threads of the book. So you'll get some homework every time you come, and I'll tell you what chapter to read. We're not necessarily going to do all the chapters. Um, in fact, for this next month, February, we're going to look at Sarah. So when you get your book, and you will get your book, um, you will read the introduction. You will read uh, Eve, which is a great chapter. Um, you'll read about Mrs. Noah, who, bless her heart, never did get a name. Um, it's kind of a short chapter, but we're not going to actually focus on that one. We're going to go right to Sarah. Um, so that's next time we meet. Then we're going to um, get into small groups. We're going to grab some food because there's always going to be food and food matters. And um, we're also going to be sending around a sheet. Today, um, Gateway Panet um, bought you food and prepared it for you. So yay, that's awesome. So you'll get to eat. But what we'll do is at like about 8.30, we'll grab some food and get into our small groups. And you will have seen um, some of where your small groups are. And so we'll take our food and sit in our small groups and share food together and share fellowship together. And Sylvia here is passing around uh, one page. And every month that, that page will come around and you can sign up for something. And, you know, hopefully we'll all get a turn at something somewhere. But many hands make light work. And that's how we're going to enjoy food. And then we'll have some prayer. And you know what? If all of that agenda, God says, no, I have something else to do, then that's what we'll do. So these are our intentions. And God has every bit of authority to do whatever he wants to do. The book. 
Um, this book that we're going to read is really a platform for discussion. It's leverage um, to learn, but we're not going to be confined just to the book. Okay, so part of what we do in our sharing time together, we're going to actually have other women, women from this group, who are going to come and share their stories to augment what the theme is that we're talking about with a particular Bible person. Um, And that's going to add to what we're learning. Um, And then we're going to have discussion questions that are sourced out of the book, as well as questions that we're going to just provoke so that we have time to really discuss and... um, and pray with each other. So we're going to start right now. What I'm going to do is I know you have, some of you have probably read parts of the book. Some of you haven't read it at all. Most of you probably haven't. So what I'm going to do in the next just half hour is kind of pre-see, shorten the Reader's Digest version with, with a bunch of my own additions of what the introduction and the chapter of Eve is. And I want to talk about, I'll be talking about two things that um, the author of this book really does suggest as the, as the points that we're going to be really hanging a lot of things on during the course of these, of these next months together. And I'll, I'll tell you about those in a minute. The introduction of the book really, Carolyn Custis James kinds of details um, the church throughout history. You know, what do we do as women when we don't necessarily feel like we fit the mold? of women in the church. And um, we come from all sorts of different backgrounds. So all of you have a different story about that. Um, But what happens when your life might turn out differently than you expected? What do you do with the gifts and the things that God has entrusted to you? Um, I grew up in Vancouver, and I went to a girls' private school. And all the teachers pretty much were girls. And I was surrounded by girls, and I had a mother and a sister. And my dad wasn't a whole lot um, present in my life, though he was there. But I was very matriarchally driven. Um, Then proceeded to get married and had four daughters. So you can understand that my life is full, has been full of females. Um, But when I got saved... Well, first of all, when I went to this private school, it was very much the focus was on education and strength and training and learning and being leadership and going far. And um, so I was, I had a very clear perspective about who I was and what I should be doing when I graduated. I came to Christ just the year before I graduated and ended up being involved in a church Um, where there wasn't one single female leader, not one. And this was unusual for me because I had just come out of an environment that was stuffed full of women leaders, and I had been really groomed that way in my mind. And so this was kind of an interesting experience for me. I, I wasn't quite sure, and I was just kind of learning my way. I came out of a New Age background. I had absolutely no concept of the church I didn't know anything about it, and so I accepted, well, I guess this is how it works. And I think over the years, um, a lot of questions developed for me um, just in in my experience with my own life and with other women. As a pastor's wife, I was 21 years old. I didn't know what to do, and I had no role model. I didn't know really intimately any other pastor's wife so there was no road map and no one to talk to about that 
Um, so I arrived in Winnipeg almost exactly 37 years ago um, and didn't understand what this meant. Um, if you're married to a pastor and he's a leader, does that make you a leader? What was the expectation? Who created the mold? Was there a mold? I had no idea. What if the pastor's wife had no leadership, gifting, or inclination, or desire to be a leader? Was that okay? What if the pastor no longer was a pastor and he stopped being a leader? Did that mean you stopped being a leader if you were a leader when he was a leader? Could a woman be a leader? If her husband wasn't a leader? Could a woman be a leader if she didn't have a husband? And there were other questions. What do women do with their giftings and their strengths? Is the field narrow or wide? How do we express ourselves in the world and in the church in ways that we're gifted? And what are the contexts for service? And what about marriage? Do we need to be married? Okay, these are just questions I was asking. Do we need to be married to feel like we fit? Have we arrived if we get married? Is that when life starts? I remember a very important conversation I had with our oldest daughter, Rebecca, who had gone through five years of nurses training and that had been a nurse um, for four years. And the Lord had said to her, now I want you to go into medicine. And so she really began to see that she had a future as a surgeon. But the thing was, there was another 12 years of education to be going through right? 12, count them. And I remember very acutely her standing in the doorway of my bedroom, weeping, saying, I know this is the Lord, but my life's not going to start for another 12 years. And I was so appalled at what I heard. I said, Becca, your life has already started. This is your life. Your life doesn't start when you become a surgeon. Your life doesn't start when you meet a guy. Your life is now who you are. More questions. If we're single, does that make us second-class citizens? What about having children? Is that when life really starts? And what if we can't have children? Do our lives never really start? And if we get married and for some reason the marriage ends or we're, we're widowed, where does that leave us? In a borderland? Who are we anyway? And what defines us? How does God see us? Those are some of the questions. You notice I haven't given you any answers. Those are some of the questions. Can you identify with any of those? So, yeah, lots of hands. How do we live faithfully as followers of Jesus Christ? Sometimes the, the patterns that we have seen in the church have been good, but they haven't always fit us. And this is what she talks about in the introduction of the book. That many of the women, if you look at them in the Bible, they were lost. They felt lost. They didn't really know what context they fit in. But she talks about um, their lives in a way that gives enormous insight. And you begin to see them through a whole new lens. So I'm really excited about this new lens that we're going to look through these women. And these women who really didn't quite fit, ended up becoming history changers. And so my encouragement to you is, I think there's some history changers in this room. I really do.
So, the two things I promised I would talk to you about. The first thing that Carolyn Custis James talks about in this book, and we will be talking a lot about this, and we will be talking in a broadened, more expanded way about this, is the fact that we are image bearers. That's a really important point, and you're going to hear that a lot. You are an image bearer. Genesis 1, 26 to 31, talks about creation. And we're drawn behind the scenes into this absolutely wonderful place called the secret council of God, where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are together, and they're saying, let us, let us, the Trinity, make mankind in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps the earth. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature. And God saw what he had made and he saw that it was good. It was very good. And I think that what God did here was he created something absolutely extraordinary. He created something that was so different from any other thing in creation, he created spirit beings, human beings who were predominantly spirit, not predominantly flesh or brain, but spirit beings who could communicate and fellowship with God who is spirit. That's how he wired us. That's how he made us. It's like he imprinted himself into us at creation. So these two creations, Adam and Eve, were unlike any other thing in creation. King David describes us this way. Yet you, Lord, have made them a little lower than the Elohim. Some people translate that as angels. It's actually God. It's a name for God. We were made a little lower than God. And we carry who he is imprinted on us, on our spirit. This is an extraordinary thing to think about. This is the part of you that when you pass away, will never pass away because it's eternal. We've all heard the sad account of what happened. We understand the fall, correct? Most of us, the serpent, the devil came and he tempted Eve and he said, you know, if you eat this fruit, God knows you're, you're not really going to die. God said you were going to die, but that's, that's not true. You're not really going to die. God knows that you're going to become like him and you're going to know you're going to be able to discern between good and evil. And what was the thought process that went through Eve? We're not really sure. But what we do know was that she looked at the fruit and she saw that it was good and so she ate it. Because in a sense, what she was doing was saying, yeah, I want relationship with God. It was, it was actually a noble thing that she wanted. The thing that was really in her heart was to be like God, but she shortcut her way to get there. She didn't end up knowing God in the way that he wanted to be known by walking with God and relating to God and fellowshipping with God, she thought, well, if I eat this thing, I'll have what I want right away. 
And it was an act of disobedience. She gave some to her man who happened to be standing there. And for whatever reason, he was so passive. I don't have a clue. He just ate the thing. He didn't put up a fuss. They were both culpable. That was the fall of man. Well, nothing good came out of that. You'll hear another phrase in the book called the Blessed Alliance. It got really messed up. It was supposed to be a real blessing. Well, there was enmity between those. And we've been seeing that kind of enmity ever since over the thousands of years. So, one of the points that Carolyn Custis makes is what happened to Eve and that we tend to see Eve way back before the fall. We've, we've actually freeze-framed her there. And I was telling the church, I spoke on this a while back. I said, you know, if you do a Google search on Eve, it's actually kind of interesting. If you Google image her, um, most of the pictures will be of this voluptuous seductress. You know, she's looking at him, holding this piece of fruit, and she's freeze-framed that way. And Carolyn Custis James says, this. The original Eve was lost in paradise. Sadly, instead of remembering her in those earlier glory days before the fall when she was created to be an image bearer, the world, the world's memory of her was frozen in time at the worst possible moment back in the Garden of Eden, just as she swallowed a piece of forbidden fruit and serves under her husband. One bite of fruit and everyone forgot what Eve's original blueprint was. She got the ultimate bad rap. Even Adam threw her under the bus when God confronted him. The woman gave it to me, so I ate it. And Custis James adds this, even if she lived the rest of her life like Mother Teresa, the world would never forget or forgive what she did to us in Eden. And so we're left with this fallen view of Eve, easily deceived, morally weak, out to bring men down or seize control. But it's important to recover Eve's legacy for who she was made to be. And that was an image bearer. This is God's first defining statement about you. So let's just say that to ourselves. I'm an image bearer. Not primarily that you're nice to look at, and you really are. Not that you're potentially good or a suitable companion, not that you're a good keeper of the home, not a good cook, or that your primary means of human production, no, your number one definition is that you are an image bearer. You're called to reflect him, align yourself with him, understand his heart, walk in his ways, and put your hand to the works that he's created you to walk in before you were even born. This is a relationship of walking with him which is precisely what Eve tried to sidestep. Image bearers walk with God. You were created to be in step with God. When you come to know Christ, you become a new creation in Christ. You no longer just walk with God. You walk in God. This is a wonderful positional place to live in if we would just soak ourselves in the truth of that how can we be image bearers of one we don't know how can we reflect a god that we have no relationship with we've been created to be image bearers 
Throughout history, culture has worked overtime to press us into molds, right? Isn't that true? How many of you know the whole Photoshop scenario in magazines? I mean, can any of you hold a candle to those women? They're freaks. They're complete freaks. Why? Because they're not real. They've had their necks elongated. They've had their shoulders. I mean, I would have my shoulders narrowed, I think, or, you know, I'd have, oh, I'd have a lot of work done. (laughs) But they're not real. And so probably everyone is in this room has looked at a picture and thought, oh, I wish. And no one can ever attain to that, right? Well, this isn't new. This isn't new to our century. Egyptian women like Cleopatra used crocodile dung mixed with donkey's milk as a face mask to ward off wrinkles. Aging for a woman was unacceptable then, and it's very unacceptable now. Greek women died of lead poisoning because of the powdered lead mixture they applied to their faces to whiten their skin. Elizabethan women, do you remember Queen Elizabeth? you remember that? She had the weirdest hairline. They used to pluck their entire hairlines to achieve a beautifully high forehead. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. Just plucking out a whole swath of hair so you have a high forehead. The Chinese torturously bound the feet of young girls until they could not walk because small feet were beautiful feet. Styles have changed, but the drivenness to press us into moles has not. And it dictates so many of our lives. It's why women are dying of anorexia and bulimia. It's why they're dying of depression. It's why there's a $25 billion plastic surgery industry. And you all know what I'm talking about, right? Think about one thing you don't like about yourself right now. Just say, I'm sure that's not too hard. Just think about that thing right now. Just frame that thing up. (laughs) Or those things. Is that what God thinks about you? Is he like looking at your nose right now going, really? That was a mistake. (laughs) Really, those things about you don't define who you are. And they're the last thing that God is thinking about when he looks at you. What he's looking at when he sees you is that you bear his image. That you are reflecting back to him who he is. I was just reading that passage in Hebrews 1. Jesus Christ is the radiance of his glory. Oh, what a statement. Do you know what that means? That means God has glory and the radiance, that's the stuff you see. You know, when you see the sun's rays, that's the radiance of the sun. Jesus is actually the radiance, those rays, that light, that of God. That's who we are. He's not kidding when he says you're the light of the world. Who is the light? I am the light of the world, he said. But then he also said, you are the light of the world. But how does that work? Because we are the radiance of his glory. We were created to reflect who he is. That's the only image that matters. Our first and only mandate is to reflect that image, which requires one thing and one thing only, and that's knowing him. Living in intimate fellowship with him, seeing him, hearing him, experiencing him day by day, moment by moment, being a carrier of his presence who allows him to be reflected and manifested 
from the inside. In a sense, he's called us to be theologians, and Carolyn Custis James uses that. I love that term. I mean, how many of you would say, oh, I'm a theologian? No hands going up, seriously? No theologians in the room. I'm a theologian. I don't have a degree. I never went to seminary. But I'm a theologian. You know, it's really basic. You study God. It's the study of God. (laughs) Okay, people, how many theologians in the room? Really? You study him in his word. You study him in his presence, in your communion times with him. You just study him. That's how we begin to reflect him in every way. It's our relationship with him bringing us back to his original intent for us. Image bearers. Image bearers. You carry the stamp of God in you, which is so manifold and so multicolored and so rich and so thick and so not one color and monochromatic and dull. It's what, it's what brings this beautiful diversity that, that displays his splendor in every single one of you in this room corporately. You individually display his glory and corporately you display his glory. You are radiantly displaying who he is. We're going to talk a lot about knowing him. You're not going to get it all tonight in one fell swoop. Maybe you will. Wouldn't that be awesome? But we're going to percolate over this. We're going to soak ourselves in this. We're going to marinate ourselves in this. We're going to really look deeply at what does it mean to know God? And how can I know him better? And how can I reflect him as an image bearer? The second thing is that we are Azers. I'll spell that for you. E-Z-E-R. That's a Hebrew word. It means helper. And you'll find that in Genesis 2 verse 18. And I brought my blankie. Because I, I brought this for church a while back when I spoke on this. When I was four, I went to kindergarten. I was young. I was a young four. And I think it's because my parents were desperate for me to learn English. I was Dutch. I spoke only Dutch. Um, I needed to learn English. And I think my mother just said, get her in school early and get her to learn English. And I cried for two straight weeks because I hated school and I was freaked right out. I was far too young to be there. And finally, after two weeks, Mrs. Miller, who had a really beautiful blue hair rinse, (laughs) um, really got ticked off at me and and impatient and was done with me crying for two weeks. And she finally said, oh, you dumbbell. I still remember what she called me. She called me a dumbbell. She said, follow me. And I walked into the hallway with her, and she opened up a cupboard, and she pulled out all the blankies for nap time. She stuffed them in my arm. She said, you hand these out. And she said, you're going to be my helper from now on. And something happened to me that day. I found my inner Azer. And my sister gave me this last time I went to Vancouver. She said, you're not going to believe what I found in the closet. And this is, okay, I'm 57. 
How old does that make this? Really old. You can tell. This was my kindergarten blankie. And I handed out everybody's blankies, and I was the azer of my kindergarten class. I found something inside of myself that I could relate to because I was wired that way, because it had been hardwired into my DNA from a God that I did not know. I had no idea. So I just brought this for you. I might throw it out as a mantle later on. I don't know. Genesis 2.18 says, God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make him a azer. I'm going to make him a helper. This defining phrase for womankind, suitable helper, it means a helper like him or perfectly corresponding to him, his counterpart. It literally means standing opposite to or before him, a perfect resemblance of the man, possessing neither inferiority nor superiority, but being in all things like and equal to himself. That's courtesy of Adam Clark, the commentator. She was not a lesser being. The man Adam and the woman Eve had the same nature, and she was comparable to him. Not substandard, not subservient. They were different in function for sure, but equal in value, importance, dignity, honor, and destiny. The Apostle Peter puts it this way, they are joint heirs of the grace of life. What a wonderful, wonderful creation God had as he made these two perfectly complementary beings. That word azer means helper. And I think we all have something in mind when we hear that word, don't we? I'll be honest with you. If somebody says to me, could you come over here and be my helper? I feel a little bit subservient. I feel a little bit like in the pecking order of things. I'm a little bit lower. You're the deal. I'm the helper. Can you relate to that? That's kind of how we see a helper. We're not the real thing, but we're the helper for the real thing. And so we tend to see that word as a little bit weak, a little bit insipid, a little bit marginal, or even condescending. Hey, Adam, look what I made you. Somebody to help you with the main gig. But that's not what this word means. The word azer occurs 21 times in the Old Testament. And you'll read this in your chapter on on Eve. And 16 of those 21 times, it refers to none other than God himself. That God is an azer. He's our helper in times of trouble. It doesn't mean like a sidekick. It means a strong helper And it's always only used in the Old Testament in the context of something vitally important and of powerful assistance. It's a combination of two Hebrew root words to rescue and save and to strengthen. It was actually a military word used for warriors. It had huge implications for women in every relationship. Here are some of the references. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and your helper. So your enemies will cringe before you and you will tread upon their high places. That's Deuteronomy 33, 29. Psalm 33, verse 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our Azar. Verse 
He is our help and our shield. And Psalm 121, this is familiar to you. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help? Where does my Azar come from? It comes from the Lord. My Azar comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and earth. So here's an Azar who actually created the heavens and the earth. Not weak, not insipid, not marginal, not second best. There is none like the God of Israel. He rides across the heavens to help you across the skies in majestic splendor. I think that's my favorite one. He rides across the skies to help you. The word Ebenezer, which is one of the words for God, has the word Azer in it. Ebenezer, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Jesus himself used the Greek equivalent of the exact same word to describe the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The fact that God, the maker of heaven and earth, is our Azar, and that the Holy Spirit is our helper does not make him in any way weak, marginal, or subordinate to us. In fact, it makes him vital to us. How could we ever do life without God? Our Azar. We were not made for that. Neither does a woman being an Azer to a man make her in any way subordinate. It makes her vital. Man can't live without her. Women, you are Azers. You are image bearers and you are Azers. God created you that way. It's your identity with him as the ultimate prototype, the ultimate Azer the one who rides through the skies to our help. We are helpers. We are rescuers. We are strengtheners. We are warriors. And that, ladies, is something you are called from birth. It's not activated when you get married. Big pause. You are an Azer because you have been created to be that. It is not activated just because you get married. You're born that way. It's deep in your DNA. It's a God feature. It's a God attribute. 16 times out of 21 in the Old Testament is all about God. It's something he put in you. It's something he loves about himself. He said, I'm going to put this in her. This feature, this wonderful attribute, I'm going to put it in her. We don't have to work to become an Azer. We just have to understand that we are one. It's not a weak gift. And it's not a gift that we can be lazy about. It's a gift and a wiring that we must take seriously because it's a God factor within our very DNA. And it affects every relationship that we are part of. You can be an Azer if you're single. You can be an Azer if you're married. 
You can be an Isaiah if you're divorced or widowed. Because it's who you are. And it's what he wants you to be. Show me a woman who wouldn't ride through the heavens if she could to help someone she loves. It's the God genetic within us that was designed to prosper every single alliance in your life. You're gifted, discerning, intuitive, sensitive, intelligent, strong. Every one of you has the capacity to be a warrior. Every single one of you. That translates in so many ways. For our friends, for our children, for our loved ones, for our spouses, for the community around us. And I trust that even in these meetings that we will richly discover that Azer nature as we Azer each other. And as we promote that within our midst and pray for one another. We are image bearers and we are Azers. I know that we're going to come out of this next season of 2017 with that deeply, 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 deeply rooted into each one of our hearts. I can't tell you the moment since, since the Lord has really, as Dave Perry would say, revelated this into me. Because being in a Zare isn't just wiping your child's nose. Being an Azer is helping your child into the purposes of God. It's doing radical things. Sometimes hard things. It requires that you be an image bearer, that you hear him so that you can act and understand what genuine help is. Because sometimes we think we're helping, we're not helping. I have tried to help my children many times, not always like an Azer. But the fear of the Lord, when you understand that this is a God attribute, and we need to reflect that image, as we hear him, he's going to be speaking to us, he's going to be speaking to everyone in this room about how he wants you to take that DNA and use it for his glory so that everybody in your life and every church that you represent is lifted, 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 lifted to a whole new place because you are undergirding it with your Azer, with how God tells you to Azer. And that's my prayer as we go forward. That's why this is a generation changer. That's why what we discuss in this room and what the Lord speaks to us will have generational impact as we go forward from this room. And I'm going to end there. I'm going to, um, so here's what we're going to do. We're not going to spend a ton of time um, asking questions because you haven't read the chapters. You've had to listen to me. So, When I say go, 
you can feel free to go grab yourself a plate of food. Before you do that, I'm going to ask everybody who is a group leader. Now, I know there's some of you who, who came saying, but I came because I want to be with my friend. That's totally fine. We will rejig and reconfigure. We had to fit 230-some people into small groups. And some names we didn't know. So if that's a problem, come and see me. Come and see one of the gals over there by the door. And we will change things up for you so that you have a a place that you're feeling comfortable in. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask everybody who was asked to be a a leader, and you know who you are, um, to to stand around the perimeter of, of the room, sort of towards the back and the sides, and hold your number up high. And the rest of you will have been, been assigned a number. So just go to that person who's holding up their number. So if I could get the group leaders to stand right now. And we'll try not to be a gong show, but sometimes gong shows happen. And just hold your number up nice and high. These are clearly not in any numerical order, but you will see your number. So have a look around. Find the number that you haven't been assigned to. If you haven't been assigned a number, go see Nicole Vielfort. She's just dying to see you. And um, just connect with them right now. Go to your group leader and decide on where you're going to sit together. We're just going to reconfigure our chairs, shift them around, get into small groups. Don't go yet. And then after you have discovered where you're going to sit with your little group, grab something to drink, grab something to eat, and come back to your group. Here's what you're going to do in your group. You're going to tell everybody your name, what church you're from, and you're going to talk a little bit about maybe something that impacted you today. This is what touched me today. And this is what I'm praying for as I come to blueprints. And then you're just going to pray for each other. And then you're going to have a safe journey home. Can I just tell you how thrilled I am for all of you being part of Blueprints? And I'm so excited. We'll gather at the very end with a prayer and then send you on your way. We're going to try and keep our times really tight so you can get home to your families. So you can stand up now and go find your number. If the group leaders could please write the names of the people in their group on the back, and then they can give their give in your num your uh, give your forms back to Nicole Vielfor. If the thank you. Don't forget to write down the names of your people on the back of your card so we can gather those later and solidify the groups.
Once you've found your group, go find a spot to sit with five chairs, make a little circle, and then go grab some food and come back to your group. I'm 
If you haven't had a chance to spend some time just praying for one another before you go, now would be a good time. We have five minutes, so if you could just move to begin to pray, unless someone's right in the middle of something incredibly important, I would suggest you just pray for each other, and then we'll, we'll finish up.
and then I'm just going to pray for everybody to go home. It, it's five after nine, so I just want to be really mindful that you, if, if you're um, enjoying yourselves, feel free to hang out a little bit longer. I don't mind at all. Um, I'm going to just give you two announcements to end. The first one is, if you're a group leader, please bring your number page with your, peop, your group listed on the back to Nicole here. She'll be at the front. Please bring that. And also, for those of you that signed up for food, thank you. That's awesome. The, the page is full. Please bring the food ready to go. Um, so ready to serve. And we're going to try and set up a different few more stations so that we, we take half the time and we have more time in our group. So hopefully that's good. And we'll email you to remind you in case you forget. Okay? So don't forget to bring your forms to Nicole. Um, I'm going to ask my friend Helen to pray for us. As we go, surprise attack. 
I got the best group. <laughs> I hope you all feel the same way. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of just being in you, being together in you. Lord, you've created something here that is just beyond what we could ask or think. That's a unity of a, just a, a sharing of, of hearts of women. Lord, you have begun a good work in all of us. We want to thank you for that tonight. Lord, we thank you that um, Mary had the courage to say, Yes, Lord, I'll take it in this direction. Thank you, Lord, that she's stepped into and taken us all into a journey. Thank you, Lord, that that journey is in you. Thank you that we tonight stand taller, straighter, and stronger as an Azair, that we are like you, made in your image. And Lord, we want to shine in our world. We want to shine to our world. And Lord, we want to make a difference to each person that we meet. Lord, we thank you for this evening and for the deposit that you put in us. Lord, we thank you for the seeds that have been planted tonight. Lord, I pray that you will remind us all to water those seeds over the next few weeks and months to grow into what you want to bring forth in every single one of us. I pray for that personally and corporately. Lord, that you would just take us from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and you won't leave us the same way as we came in but you will change us into that glorious radiance of who you are in us and through us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege, Lord, of taking what we've learned tonight and what you've deposited in us tonight into our lives, into our homes, our families, our workplaces. And Lord, we pray that as we put out our hand of love to help and to be the Azar in each situation, Lord, it's your hand. And Lord, I just expect uh, change. I expect miracles. I expect healings. I expect, Lord, for you to work in a whole different and better way. Because Lord, tonight, you've brought us up to a new place. We thank you for that. Lord, I ask you blessing on Mary, on the words that have been spoken, that they will bear great fruit. And we just want to say above all, Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Helen. Thank you for coming. If you know somebody who you think should be here, azare them over. It's not too late. We'll figure the books out. The book should not be the impediment to coming. So if you feel like you want to invite somebody who doesn't even know him yet, this place is a good place for them, or somebody that you think really should be here, please bring them. Just go to the website, click on the registration, and, and let us know that they're coming. And um, I want to thank you all for coming. God bless you. May the Lord send you safely home. And I'll see you in February. Bless you.